Welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. Hello, everyone. It's Jen. I'm your host today for Turn the Page. I'm here with the author of a number of things, but we are here to discuss the reissue of his first volume of short stories. Can I ask you to introduce yourself and your book, please? Hi, Jen. Thanks for having me. And hello to all the listeners. My name is Daniel Brown. And like Jen said, uh, we're going to talk about The Night Marchers and Other Strange Tales. It's my first volume of short stories. I'm an author, I'm classified as a horror author, but I write uh, what are called strange tales in the tradition of author Robert Aikman. In short, they're pretty much like short stories, like an episode of that old Twilight Zone show. And they're stories where they tend to be quiet, have quiet horror, not a lot of gore, and the emphasis is on the characters and the tension between the psychological or supernatural explanations for what's happening. Awesome. Yeah, I was so fascinated by this concept of quiet horror that you sort of describe in the intro to this volume. And the, uh, yeah, the references that you all name, like they're all so, um, they're all very dreamlike. And a lot of these stories have a very kind of dreamlike quality too. So one of the things that I love about the collection is that, um, you know, short stories are like, always they're very efficient in their storytelling you know they're very short you don't have a lot of space but these a lot of these like are very effective slow burns you know so how do you achieve that effect like how do you achieve a slow burn effect when you have so little space to kind of to do that in wow i wish i had a great i wish i had a great answer for it you know i'm I'm tuned in i'm tuned into my process about how how i craft a story but i Probably if I aimed for a slow burn, I'd get a roller coaster ride. And maybe that's saying, maybe that's just a funny way of saying, um, while I am very uh, an intentional writer and not a pants writer, um, I I am also tuned into my instincts or at least what I want out of a story. And a lot of times the inspiration for me is setting based. So maybe it's because that there are other things that I'm interested in depicting achieving or just experiencing when I'm writing it, uh, maybe the end of that soup mix is uh, comes out as a slower burn. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. And maybe, you know, I wonder if it also has something to do with the fact that a lot of them are, are first person narratives. And so because of that, like they're all very interior too. like you, you, you spend a lot of time in your protagonist's head, sort of like in their emotional space and with them like processing what they are going through. So I wonder if that's kind of plays in there too, a little yeah, bit. I think you're onto something. Uh, Cause yeah, as, as you're saying that it dawned on me when I'm thinking, well, what, well, how, how does a slow burn or what is a slow burn? And I think that, I think we're also talking about the same thing in, in terms of structure um, I like to see stories at a place of change, be it a change of a person, their emotional state or or place. So maybe if uh, to show change, whether uh, whether you're flagging it to the reader or not, there is a before and after, even if you're not necessarily aware that what you're reading is the before. So perhaps it's my intention in giving that before or giving something that by the end of the story feels like a different place the end result is a slower burn as opposed to 
Bam uh, having it be more of a, whatever, the opposite of slow burn. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like to revisit uh, stories from earlier in your career? Um, did you find anything that surprised you or did you, you know, like, what was it like to revisit old work? Did you revisit them in any form in terms of like editing or revision? Or are they all presented like sort of in their original forms? Yeah, they were presented pretty much in their original forms. Maybe, you know, to get like a shave and a haircut, just cleaning up some typos or things uh, to have an eye on that. But that's a great question in that a lot of these stories or or, or some of these stories are, are pushing you know, 20 years old or, or even more. And I've changed as a person and I've changed as a writer since then. So while uh, while the volume is called uh, Strange Tales, that was a term of art and pretty much most of the term of art, most of the terms I was unaware of when writing them. And now after the fact, I have since become more self-educated, more educated just in, in literature, in genre, in horror. So now I have an awareness of how this fits in to the scheme or a scheme of things. Whereas when I was writing them, uh, it was more just like, hey, these are the kind of stories I, I like, so I'm going to try to make them. So I looked at, and so there's an afterwards in the book where I talk about that. I write an essay about what Strange Tales and Robert Aiken means to me, and I reevaluate each story through that lens. So yeah, there really was, um, there really was a bit of a process as, as to just more than recollecting them. Mm. Yeah, I really like that, uh, that context that is given. And I think it like, it it made it a, let's see, how do I say, phrase this? Like, it was really fun to read that and then to see the, the continuities between stories. I mean, obviously, they're all very different and they're playing with different genres and with different types of characters and tones. Um, but there's a, a few common elements, like um, you deal with like artistic protagonists a lot, too. Could you talk about that choice and why you're drawn to those sorts of figures? I, I think you, you you point to something that's just delightful <laughs> about reading and writing, uh, especially especially collections like uh, saying like, yeah, like you, you want, I want to sound smart and say, well, those connections and this and that. But in, in actuality, uh, yeah, that's moving back into the realm of instinct and unintended and if you're fortunate uh and have a good editor um these sort of things appear or will just appear to the readers so the the most i can say about that is they they were choices that felt right at the time um on this collection i had no idea uh when writing the individual stories that they would ever see a collection it wasn't even something on my mind i've i've written several short story collections since and uh, the most recent one uh, is a book called Underworld Dreams by Lethe Press. And I had a more of awareness that the book was already sold before some of the stories were completed. So I had, while there weren't intentional connections being made, I had much more of an awareness of that. And now as I'm working on uh, you know, a fourth collection and a fifth collection and writing stories, I have more awareness of that. And I either have to pull away or push towards that. So, um, yeah, it is just it is just a fun thing to see when themes um, come up where you know, people will describe a book and say, uh, instead of my work, often like, oh, yeah, these are these are water stories or, or water horror. And, and while it's pleasing, and when I go back to see it, it's definitely there. You know, I, I just kind of say, of course, of course it is. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> 
That is really neat. I think another thing that unites them is that they all have a really strong sense of place too. Yeah. Um, you're really good at evoking very specific environments. Um, what is your approach to that? Can you talk about like how you construct a, a sense of place? Like I was so taken like um, in the very first story with like 90s New York City. Um, mm. I was in the city in college from like 01 to 05. And so many of like, it just, it felt so authentic to that time. <laughs> oh, oh um, it's a great question. I love the question. And, and thank you so much. I'd love to hear that. And the answer to that is, Setting is what inspires me. You, you, you know, we we as as writers can can work hard and work on our craft, but where the the magic, where that spark comes, like where, where do you get your ideas? That always it always comes from a setting, whether it's a real or imagined place, whether it's a place I know intimately, such as New York, or a place that I've never come before. The 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 drive, the spark, the inspiration comes from the setting, and that's the part when I first started writing it was also the part that came easiest to me. And the part that I enjoyed, so so setting is just yeah, it's it's why I write. Uh, when I, it's why I when I was a youngster and why I read without being aware of it. When I always wanted to go somewhere uh, when I read. My two of my favorite authors were Lucia Shepard and Tanith Lee, both very setting intensive uh, authors. Mm. Yeah, and the you know the the. the how do I phrase this part? The, the the horror part or like the supernatural or the odd or the strange part often feels like very tied to that locale too, like very organic to sort of the place that the story emanates from. So that's a very interesting point that stories kind of start in the place for you. Is there something that you notice happening for you? Like when you start to think of a place or if you visit a place, maybe like, when do you, when do you notice that like, oh, this is a story? <laughs> Great, great question. Like you're so you're so tuned into it. Thank you so much. Like I'm, I'm like, has she heard of my other interviews or has she? But uh, yeah, it's uh, no, it's really uh, the questions are are perfectly following my, my or perfectly anticipating my process, which is so. When does it become a story? Yeah, so I'll I'll ha I'll have the idea. I'll have notes. I'm like, yeah, I want to write a story about this place, and that's where for me the craft or my craft comes in. I don't want to mislead anyone and tell them that this is what you should do. But once I know that, I, I, okay, I have to write about this, that's where the the the, um, the conscious part of it comes in, where I will try to, character will come third. I will actually, and this is usually kind of the opposite of I hear a lot of people go, oh, I can work with a character and then I come up with a conflict and then I put it in a setting. For me, it's actually the reverse because I'll, I'll have a setting and then I'll think of, well, what, well, you can't just write about trees, right? Like what's, you can't write about landscapes. What, what is the conflicts in this place? And once I start to see the conflicts, or maybe I already know a conflict or two, then I'll try to think of um, what's the best character to embody that and put it in, in dramatic structure. So yeah, that's, that's how, uh, and once, once I start thinking about that, it's on its way to looking like what another human would see as a story, as opposed to just but, 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 and, 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 yeah, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> That's so interesting. You know, and I wonder if that also plays into, um, you know, something that I noticed in a lot of the stories too. Um, and I'm sorry if I'm saying so vague, but I just, I don't want to spoil too many stories for people. So, <laughs> but um, oh, that's okay. As you see fit. <laughs> a lot of the stories sort of feature, um, 
people sort of like encountering um, forces or like ancient traditions or forces or long going processes that have been going on for a long time without them that they kind of stumble into or upon. And I wonder if that sort of like, yeah, if the 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 phenomena that they are encountering feel so real and lived in and old because it is part of this like considered very vivid setting, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, uh, you, you're right on, you're right on. Uh, I'm seeing that. Um, yeah, I want, I want to, again, I am writing in horror, even though it is on the borderlands, or I am writing in speculative fiction, even if it's, you know, on uh, an interstitial aspect of it. So I want, uh, I, I want there to be very clearly the unexplained in these books, whether the unexplained is something to do with human processes or, as you said, wow, it's something supernatural, but we just don't understand it. Um, I don't write about traditional things that have traditional rules, such as like, yeah, nothing against them. It's just not me. Like in a vampire story, hey, this is the vampire. Let's get our stakes. Let's get running water. Let's get the daylight. So when... There are still things that are supernatural in these books, but if we don't know what they are, even though that there's a sense that like the tip of the iceberg, hey, that we we know we we know what we see and we perceive, but maybe we've never countered it because the readers never encountered it. Uh, it becomes a different sort of story and a different opportunity. So if it's not about cutting off the head of the bad guy, it can often become about looping back to what you said about these characters it can become a, a catalyst for humanism and for the human stakes for my characters. And that is something that I, I really want. Um, I want to come have come across. It's both organic to my process, but it's what I enjoy in, in stories uh, that I read. And hopefully I'm bringing that to readers as well. Hmm. Absolutely. <clears throat> so I, I realized that um you also have a, a novella, this month coming the serpent oh, yeah, yeah we're we're uh, not on video if you don't have a copy <laughs> i think you have you may have a, an advanced art but we can also copies just came today so i'm excited to share them thank you for mentioning it yeah no problem do you want to talk about that story at all yeah that'd be great the book is called the serpent shadow and it's out now by the it's out now and it's out now by the time you're hearing you're hearing <laughs> this uh you're hearing this wonderful podcast and it's like Jen, I'm glad that Jen in the previous question said something about, yeah, some of the stories are about people stumbling upon ancient things or mythologies or things they don't understand. And yeah, if I had to have a single log line for the Serpent Shadow, that's exactly what happens. Uh, I also mentioned in the introduction to that book, I love stories that sort of masquerade or on the surface pretend to be or just are one thing or one genre or one trope. And then as you unwind it, it becomes something else. Uh, like the movie, my, the movie It Follows is always an example of that. It, uh, like that movie, The Serpent Shadow appears to be a horror story that you've seen before. There's kids, there's teenagers, they're not listening to the rules, they're gonna get into trouble. It takes place in the eighties in Cancun, Mexico, but very quickly, uh, or not so quickly, maybe slower, uh, quickly to you, the reader, will realize that there's a lot more that, that meets the eye that's going on here. And the, the the kids, the teenagers, the main characters in the story have inadvertently stumbled upon um, a supernatural battle for the future of Mexico between Mayans and Mexicans. Mayan culture is involved. 
Mexican myth of Santa Muerte, uh, Saint Death is involved. And that is the introduction to the Serpent Shadow from Cemetery Dance. Wow, that sounds awesome. <laughs> that sounds oh, all right. amazing. Well, before we log off, we'll get a book your way. Thanks, Jen. <laughs> and I am, I'm so glad that you mentioned It Follows, too. Um, oh. Because I love that movie. That movie was like... Um, you know, I thought that I could not be scared anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like, right. That movie, and then I spent like weeks terrified of that movie. But I love like that you bring that up in relation to the stories of yours that you're talking about because it does seem like that, um, like that you know ancient pro- mythologies and or you know processes going on. It all also is like about um, you know, characters who are sort of like stumbling into a story, <laughs> another story yeah. been going that's on. La- that's lar- yeah, that's larger than them. Yes. That they may or may not know the truth about. You know, that's one of the things that's terrifying about It Follows. And even though these stories are quite horror, and sometimes I find them to be fantastical or whimsical because that's what I'm after, sometimes people tell me that they're terrified by ones I don't expect. And when I think about that, and it, it's, I think it comes to do with, well, unlike in Dracula or the Wolfman, we often don't know the rules here. So like, and it follows what's so pleasing about it when that story goes into overdrive is like, just when they think they have a plan and just when they think they know what they've done, it's it's wrong. It fails. Uh, Joe Hill uh, does it amazingly as well in, in his first novel, Heart Shaped Box. Mm. They, think, they think burning the suit of the, the ghost that he gets a haunted suit on eBay and he thinks they think burning the suit will do it. And it's like, no, that's the one thing that you've now empowered this ghost. And so now you're like, wow, this there's three quarters of a novel left. We're in overdrive for the rest of the time. So yeah, that's what I, that's one of the things I love about working in this uh, area of the genre. Yeah. I really like that horror sort of lets you play with, um, like not giving closure, you know, not explaining everything mm. and a lot mystif like mystifying and unknown because like that's often you know how we <laughs> encounter things in our own lives like we rarely get closure yeah. about every single little storyline in our lives um i'm also reminded of twin peaks which i feel like is a story about like the people who are living on the edge of a horrifying traumatic story you know and how it sort of impacts their lives but you never really see that central you know trauma and i love how like horror is sort of about like Specifically, like the stuff that you can't see, the stuff that you don't know. And I love that. <laughs> yeah, you hit, it, you hit it right on the head about not having closure. And then that's just like, yeah, different, a different flavor of horror. Some of horror is, you know, the escapism. We love to be scared. We love to root for the good guy or the bad guy. And then, you know, there's the other part of fiction. If it has verisimilitude or if it has that life, if it feels like life, it's like, yeah, we don't often or always get closure in life. And, uh, as you know, as an art, as in life, I don't know if it's a saying or cliche in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything else on the horizon? What's coming up for you? I've got uh, short story uh, releases in different anthologies uh, coming out. Uh, the next one uh, is, is a, a long title that I love to say. Uh, the short story is called A Loch Ness Monster Under the Light of the Southern Cross. Not the Loch Ness Monster. A Loch Ness Monster. And it's coming out in a book uh, called uh, A Darkness Visible from Ontology Press. Ooh, okay. I'm writing that down so I can see that because I love 
Loch Ness monsters. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, we'll have, we've got two things we'll have to get your way then, oh. Jen. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been really lovely. And, you know, you are always invited back to the show to talk about any future projects. You know, we're always here to to help get the word out. We love helping writers. So <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks. Uh, thanks for all of the great work uh, at the library. And yeah, we'll have to take you up on that offer. Uh, it's not every day we get the invitation to talk about Loch Ness Monster. So we'll come, <laughs> yeah. we'll come back and talk about some. Oh, awesome. <laughs> okay, listeners, now it's on you. You need to check out the Night Marchers and you need to check out the Serpent Shadow. Um, thank you so much for listening. You should go to your favorite independent bookstore or library, wherever you like to go get your books and check them out. Thank you so much for joining us. It is now time to close this chapter. It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode. Thank you.